0: Morning, morning. This is Adel Kazolski. This is a Healthy You, Wealthy You show and I'm looking at a smiling, relaxed, Can i ask, Faggy, how was your holiday? Like, oh,
1: When I think of holiday, I could definitely feel relaxed, but we've hit the ground running.
0: Yep. It's actually, <laughs> I think I was about a week behind you and you went here yeah, 2023. Here we come on the 15th and I said it came a long time <laughs> ago, <baby." laughs>
1: You've been running for a
0: lot longer, Adel. Yes, indeed. In fact, I think I need a holiday. (laughs) Well, today what we decided to do to kick off the year of Healthy You, Wealthy You is to talk about the healing power of therapy and why and how it can actually be life changing. You know, we live in a time when speaking about or going to therapy is no longer a stigma because it gives us the opportunity to talk about what it can really offer us. So what we're going to do today is we're going to hear different perspectives from both therapy and client, as well as some of the practical steps that uh, you can think about if you do want to Start Therapy. And today we are excited to invite back onto our show two special people. Firstly, Esther Hecht. She is a social emotional learning coach for parents and educators. She is a conscious discipline practitioner and has run many, many workshops. And she is the Director of Professional Development at Chabad of Stanton Nursery School. And as you will see as we go along with our conversation, she's a very passionate uh, young lady, and lots to learn from her. And then we have Tobi Steiner. Tobi is a counseling psychologist seeing individual clients and couples at Psych Central in Johannesburg, as well um, as, as Esther. She too is passionate about our early life attachments, and um, Tobi has studied parental infant psychotherapy, and she dedicates her time and a busy schedule to the non-profit organization Ububele, I think I pronounced that right, where she supports new mothers on their journey to motherhood. So we're in for a very, very exciting conversation. If you'd like to join it, it's 34519 is our SMS line and 61 is our telegram number. So with no further ado, welcome Esther, welcome Toby. Thank you for having us. Thanks guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving of your valuable time. So Esther, let's kick off with you. Why do, why do we, sh- why should we have this conversation that we're having right now? Hmm.
2: Um, it's a good question. I think um, that when you say the word therapy, you generally have These like two opposite reactions. You either have the person who is all for therapy. They love their therapist. It's changed their life, whether they're vocal about it or not. Um, but then you have like the other end of the spectrum where you have a few different groups of people. You have the people who are like, I tried therapy. It's not for me. And then you have people who have never tried therapy. And lately with this group of people who have never tried therapy and I've been in conversations with some of them, I've been Hearing the sort of reaction or response, and I'm not sure exactly what the right word is, maybe like a mockery or almost like a brushing off of therapy, um, that they almost feel like therapy has become commercialized, right? Like we have Netflix shows about therapy. You open up your Instagram account, there's reels, people pointing this way and this way and up and down and music behind it. And I think these people feel like we're not going to take the bait, right? We're not going to take the bait of this newest fad that's being sold to us. You know, talking about holidays, like I almost was thinking like, you know, when you go on holiday and then these, there's these landmarks that have been so commercialized. So you have certain people who'll be like, you know what, I'm not going to get sold on that beach. I'll drive down the road and I'll go to another beach that I don't have to pay for. So I think there's this, you know, this thought process around therapy that it's something that's being sold to us and I'm not going to get caught up in that. Um, I think there's also people on this side of the spectrum who who think about the people who go to therapy and they think they're actually not facing their issues, but they're running away from their issues. In running from therapist to therapist, right? They just feeling good about dealing with their life, but they're not actually dealing with their issues. And of course, there's a thought process like we've been okay without it. So why do we need it now? And in describing these different thought processes, I'm not judging any of these people, whatever their opinion is, because maybe there is truth and reason to all of these arguments. But I think why we wanted to have this conversation is because often when an idea is pushed and it's true that mental health and therapy and self-help is being fed to us everywhere we look, it's often hard to have real and open conversations about the nuances when people take opposite sides. Um, And so we thought this conversation can really speak to everyone, both the listeners who are in therapy, hope this will resonate with them, and maybe they'll realize they could be getting more out of therapy. And for those who are not in therapy, maybe this will spark something or get some wheels turning. And as you mentioned at the beginning, we've evolved as a culture, which is incredible, that there's no longer stigma around therapy. You can go on radio in 2023 and very proudly say, I go to therapy. I advocate for therapy. Mental health is as important or in some cases more important than the time and energy that we give to our physical health. And actually, as I'll probably mention during this conversation, they are one and the same. But where I think our challenge is now is more around the people who have their strong opinions or people who therapy could really help and they decided this is not for me. Stigma or no stigma. And I know for myself a few years ago, I could not have imagined what therapy could do for me. And I was definitely more on the side of rolling my eyes at people who were talking about what therapy had done for them. So I get it. And I feel that's why I could be in a in a position to have this kind of conversation. Um, And then we thought it would be valuable to hear from both sides, right, that of the therapist um, and of of the client who's been through and goes through therapy. So I hope the listeners will listen with open minds and hearts. I think think aside from therapy – sorry, go
0: ahead. You're listening to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show, and we're going to be discussing the pros and cons of therapy just to end off this little segment, I've got to say that I've like, you know, I obviously watch a lot of, uh, Instagram reels or, or YouTubes or things ar- around therapy. And there has been a lot of pushback, I think, particularly from the older generation saying, like, get a life. Stop like putting all your feelings down on a table. You know, we didn't have to do that. We, we just got on with the, with the business. You know, you're angry. Just, well, move along and just do what you have to do. And so there, there is that sense of pushback of like, you know, you're making, <laughs> You're making a challenge from a from from you know from a little oh no simmers from a little carrots you know just just deal with it and move on and so it's an interesting conversation so we are going to continue this conversation and love you to join us three four five one nine is our SMS line and 0618951019 is our Telegram number. This is the Healthy You Wealthy You show with Adol Kasilski and Fagey Stern. We're in conversation with Esther Hecht and Tovi Steiner. And, uh, Faggy, just before the break, you were wanting to say something and I, <laughs> I, I, railed you over.
1: You have the mic. We'll, we'll move forward. No problem. Um, Tovi, just to ask you, what is mental health and why is it that, what is the buzzword now? You know, it's so interesting because I feel like it's
3: like trying to say, you know, in that, when the Torah on one foot, how would you describe what is mental health? But if we could just have an idea of it, it's really made up of your emotional, psychological, and social well-being. And you can almost measure your mental health based on how you handle stress, based on your interpersonal relationships, the, how, your, how you enjoy life, how you balance activities. And the word I often think of is like your resilience. And mm-hmm. able to answer you, when you talk about this idea of like a certain generation speaking about like just get over it and stop making a big deal – You know, Gabor Mate just wrote a new book, which is like a textbook called The Myth of Normal. And in it, he says that when we suppress hurt and unwanted parts of ourselves, we actually fragment ourselves. And until that is seen and acknowledged, it's actually a barrier to growth. And so what I think what happens for many people is that they're able to fragment those parts of themselves outside of themselves. And Gabor Mate also uses the word healing as a way to return to wholeness. And so, yes, your life may be, you may be managing and you may have, you know, put those parts of yourself to the side, but true wholeness, true healing requires unpacking all parts of ourselves that are not easy to unpack. And that's why I think, you know, one of the the resistances to, to therapy, which we could go into if we have time, but the, the fact is that there is a knowledge of the fact that there's going to be parts that we have to unpack that we're aware of and parts that we're not even aware of. And I think that there is an understandable fear around that. So I think that mental health is the state we're in. But when we talk about mental health, I also like to think of it as a state in which we're working towards, that there's a sense of I would like to care about my mental health as much as if I'm feeling unwell, I would run to a doctor and and or I would take supplements or I would be focusing on getting myself back to a full sense of wellness why is it that, with our mental health we 're much slower to react in that way, and I think that the buzzword like we 're talking about you know now is that there 's so much knowledge around I said we were talking just before the show about this new AI and there 's google and there 's Siri and there 's all ways in which we get to know so much about the world, and yet at the same time, all of this knowledge i mean the catch twenty two in a way is that it 's almost there 's so much bombardment when you talk about instagram reels I think that it 's also so hard to sift through the amount that we're coming that's coming towards us so and i think that the way back to wholeness my understanding and obviously i'm going to you know be very pro therapy but this idea of like journeying into your own psyche and working towards a sense of wholeness and that's that's what you know when i think of therapy and mental health that's how i think they both connect
0: i th- i think that w- what what you're saying is 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 very profound and and really the answer when i watched somebody went and said you know that said you know, just get on with it. We didn't have, you know, the time or the space. The response was very profound. And I think that today why we're looking at mental therapy, and you you can correct me if I'm wrong, is thank God we are all living in an affluent world. You know, um, maybe we're not millionaires, but we all have running water and we have electricity and, and you know, we have microwaves and we have uh you know, uh groceries delivered to our door and we have a lot of the or the, the physical uh, hardships that people had are no longer, and I think now we're we're going as as humanity, as consciousness, going into a deeper place of healing. They couldn't spend their time thinking about why I was angry and how am I processing and what I'm doing because life was just just too tough. If I just didn't get up and take that bucket and walk the kilometer to get the water, then I don't have the water to boil the potatoes, to, you know. Today, because I've mm-hmm. been relieved of the physical difficulty. And um, that perhaps previous generations had, um, it's now in, incumbent on us, I would say, to take it a, a step further and to actually look at us in a deeper way. You know, look, look at ourselves now and start healing ourselves on a much, you know, on a much deeper level.
1: And just to add to that, Adel, I'm sure Esther, you have a lot to say about this with conscious discipline and understanding people's emotions and how to bring out people's emotions and how to name them and how to word them. You know, in those days, as you say, Adel, they had, they had a very different reality, but nowadays, it's, are you feeling so frustrated? Are you okay? You know, you, you bring out those emotions. So now we have to understand how we're feeling. And, you know, I feel like some people do know how to verbalize their emotions and what they're going through. And Toby, you were saying about, you know, the fear of going to therapy. You know, one thing is laying your stuff out in front of someone, but it's also the fear of knowing, like how to express that
3: absolutely and i think that that is you know in therapy the experience of the resistance of the of the patient which the therapist would be able to work with in the relationship and that is part of the power of therapy is the relationship and it would manifest in many ways it could manifest with the patient being late it could manifest with payment it could manifest in so many ways and so the resistance to therapy would would manifest in the relationship and it would be something that they the therapeutic relationship would be able to work through and that would be the power so being with a good therapist um the therapist would enable would show you i feel like there's resistance coming up here and and in a very delicate gentle way with that knowledge be able to help you navigate very slowly through the resistances and slowly get you because i think that you know, when we talk in psychology, we talk about, like, defense mechanisms and, and processes we've learned how to navigate our world. And and coming into therapy, the intention is never to strip away a person's defense mechanism straight away because that would not be helpful. And so a good therapist would help you gently go through that process. It wouldn't just be straight away you go into all the deep, hard stuff, that there's a gentle process within the relationship where through the relationship and through insight within the therapeutic space that's where growth happens.
0: So it's more—it's more also looking that you, you trust the therapist. You can't go into a place where you don't want to be, and you don't trust them, and you don't like them, and you don't—you you, know—you have a whole long list. Then it's you're probably hitting your head against the wall. So then, uh, Esther, how do we find the right therapist? How do we know that the therapist is right for us? So I mean, I could I could make this very personal. <laughs> As so much as you know, want to wish. I
2: understand there's
0: hundred and fifty thousand people because, listening. Because I can I was talk. saying to Adel
1: before the show, maybe we can
2: get a free therapy session. So go ahead. We'll all
1: repair <laughs> <laughs> um, our laundry.
2: So first of all, just to um go back to what you were saying before, of course, um our realities are different from years ago. Um and and unfortunately even in our times there are people who are still in survival state. And it wouldn't be fair to even, you know, swing the like option of therapy in their face because they they don't have that option right now but that's definitely a point to consider but i think besides for the reality we we're in 2023 and we have the research now so now we know what they didn't know and i always say this we do our best until we know better and now we know how important how important it is to acknowledge your feelings to talk about them there were years where they thought in order to deal with hard feelings you suppress those feelings and now we know that's not actually healthy so we're lucky because as we evolve we're we have um, so many research, so many resources, and so much resor- research that we can um, act on now. So, in finding the right therapist, um, and again, I'm speaking for myself, and and I'm sure some general concepts here. In knowing, going from a few years ago, rolling my eyes at therapy, and in knowing now how powerful it was for me. It is still hard to communicate why it is. I think when you go through the experience, then it's like, then you know. Um, But I'll do my best to try to convey this. Um, There's an idea shared by um, a guy named Sal Mnuchin. He was the founder of Structural Family Therapy, and he speaks about how certainty is the enemy of change so the goal, the goal of a good therapist is actually to introduce uncertainty, so that belief that you 've always held the story that you 've always told yourself the idea in your mind that things will never be different there 's so many parts of us that are so hardwired into the way we see ourselves and others and our lives um, and as we grow up in some ways, we actually never grow up. we stay stuck in these pigeonholes and Like Toby was saying before, these defense mechanisms or these coping mechanisms, these pigeonholes are not necessarily bad things because they give us a sense of safety in our world. But what happens when we get stuck in a certain belief or certain patterns is that we become inflexible. And then there's only a small range of behaviors that are, be, are available to us. So it's like trying to play tennis without bending your elbows. So you walk into a therapist or as I did, I walked into my therapist with these hardwired beliefs about myself and about my relationships and about my world. And what they do is they introduce confusion. They introduce uncertainty. And from that is born hope and curiosity and complexity. And then growth growth can happen. So when I was going through a very tough time, I spoke to my therapist about my relationship with God and how I was so angry with him about something I had been through. And I, had, I said this with absolute certainty. I believed so much in God and my whole life I've been a big believer and I've had such strong belief in him. And I went on and on with how strong my belief was and how he had completely wronged me in the face of this belief. And she listened to me, and with such a delicate balance of empathy and handing me accountability, she said to me, Esther, it sounds like you never actually believed in God. It sounds like you defer all your issues to God. And this was one of my first sessions with her. And why I'm sharing that is because in that moment, uncertainty entered, confusion entered, something that for my entire life I was so certain about, and actually for a moment I was taken aback. How could she say that? How could she? And yet it was her ability to challenge me on my absolute certainties that allowed me to look at things differently and allow myself to tell a different story. Um So that was the first thing for me. And I could go on about the other things that were powerful
0: for me. Just say that and sentence again. I love that, that, that quote, uh, what's it? Certainty. Certainty. Um, certainty is the enemy of change. I love that. I love certainty that. It, 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 it like resonates so loudly that That, that really I think is the stumbling block to all therapy or for, to any relationship is when you come dogmatic and saying, this is the way it is. And this is the way I see it. And, you know, take it, like it, leave it, do whatever you want with it. And you have these like bulldog type of, you know, reactions where they just ram you down because you don't have the space to stop and say, well, maybe with curiosity, there can be another way or another thing or another idea or another feeling that that's come into it. I think we're all guilty as human beings. You know? Absolutely.
2: And I think um it ties into the, the second almost benefit of going to therapy is, and why it can be so powerful is because when you live with the, in those patterns and those, um, you know, absolute belief systems, you don't actually feel a sense of agency over your life. And what therapy does and what it did for me is it allows us to see that the issues or the problems that we having and facing in our lives – are not because something is inherently wrong with us. It's because we have gotten stuck in those belief systems. So there's Mm. actually a beautiful optimism in therapy. There are potentials that haven't been used. There's resources that haven't been explored. And um, to quote Salmanuchin again, he says that one of the fascinating things about growing up is to discover the door that you always thought was closed is actually open. And this is something that I feel so strongly about, that when we talk about this feeling of being stuck, or not having options or not being able to see things differently, what keeps people stuck is actually overlooking our own participation in the problems that we're having. And so what a therapist does is they help us see the role we're playing in those patterns of our lives. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I, I,
0: What I'm hearing from you though is, is an encouragement of people who are big enough to recognize I need therapy. Like I hear you. You're right. I'm like, I'm stuck in my things and maybe there is another option and that I can, if I find the right therapist, connect to that. What happens when you are dealing with somebody in your life? And the relationship is toxic or the relationship is very difficult because they're very stubborn and they, like, what would you say to somebody like that? He goes, you know, I'm open to go to therapy. Let's take couples. I'm open. Maybe Toby, you want to speak to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the, I've got a, I've got, I've got a difficult relationship with a sibling, with a spouse and I want to go to, to, to therapy and I want to talk about it and I want to explore and I'm hitting a, uh, you know, a wall because the, the, the participating, uh, sibling, spouse, whatever, mother, father, whatever it is that whoever you have the difficulty, like says, no, like I, I, don't see any reason why I need to go to therapy. I'm fine. What do you say to that? It's so
3: interesting because Esther Perel says that there, it takes two people to create a pattern and one person to change it. And I think even using Salman idea is that when we, in relationships, we, we create systems even if it's just between two people. And so when there is a change, even in one side, it creates an energetic change within the system itself. And I think that when you're talking, when you're saying this, it's very, it feels very clear that the one side is so right and they are the ones who are prepared to go to therapy and they are so clear that they are the ones who are ready to evolve and change and grow and face their stuff and the other party isn't. But that still sounds rigid, again, like what Esther was saying. And I think that the, The process of therapy, and I I really think that, you know, when people say, people have often said, no, I don't want to just sit with someone who's going to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that must be so difficult for you, or, you know, tell me how it feels. I, I would like to just give you one little insight, if you could all just imagine what it's like to sit with someone for 50 minutes to an hour and listen to them intently, and you are reflecting, you are empathizing, you're synthesizing, at the same time, you're trying to listen without solving, You're sitting in the pain with the person and sometimes listening to a traumatic event that they have never shared with anyone else before and holding the awareness of that. Then the therapist is not only focusing on what's coming up with the patient, but also what's coming up for the therapist is often very deep information about what's actually going on in the room. And also the therapist has to track themes, pull together narrative um, and threads of stories that are often brought up in therapy, which seem completely unrelated, which are related. And at the same time, keeping track of all the dynamics in the patient's life, their relationships, their history, their major events, how everything's intersecting and impacting in their current moment, um, deciding which therapeutic direction to follow. And I often feel like describing it as like being your own marching band. Like that's sometimes what I feel like it is to be the therapist because you are playing the drums and the harmonica. And, you know, the flute and you are doing all these things at once. And so the therapist who's just going to mm-hmm you is maybe not the right therapist for you. Maybe for someone just that reflective, you know, listening is what's valuable to them. But true therapeutic change requires a therapist to be holding so many of those things. And so that's why sitting all day as a therapist, you still may be exhausted because you are a marching band. And I think that when you are in the presence of someone who's doing all that with you, and journeying with you, it's almost, I would say, impossible. That change is not going to happen for you, and then as a follow-on into the system that you're part of.
0: Absolutely. I've I've got a, a, another question, and we can start touching on it. We've got a couple of minutes, and I, I don't know who to throw it out to, and either of you can like uh, indicate who would like to answer. But one of the, the, the other uh, the modalities of healing that is coming out now, um, and for, for uh, look, I'm pro-therapy. I believe everything that, you know, you are saying definitely does have value and needs to embrace, be embraced. But there's this new thinking of somatic healing where there are so many forms and modalities of healing that you can go to that you don't, for example, you don't have to talk about that trauma. So I was traumatized as a little kid and uh, I felt abandoned. And it's, it's just too hard to verbalize. It's just too hard to bring up, but there are modalities of somatic healing. So I'd like to just after the break now, you know, to get your take on, on somatic healing and, and, and is it an adjunct to proper therapy? You still need the therapy. Can I replace it and just use that instead? It's, 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 it's a very, you know, interesting idea, uh, that's come in. We're talking to Esther. Hecht and Tovi Steiner. We're talking about the pros and perhaps no cons of therapy. Love to hear your comments. 34519 is our SMS line. Um, 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. This is 101.9. Chai FM. This is the Healthy You, Well for You show with Adel Kosinski and Fagie Stern. Okay so let's get into the crunch of somatic healing sp what 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 is your uh, your take
2: so before i get into the specifics of somatic healing and and there's so many other modalities besides the somatic healing. But obviously, as I mentioned before, we actually cannot um, separate our mental health and our physical health. And there's so much like Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. And so much of somatic healing is the trauma that we're holding in the body. But before we even get into the other modalities, I think no matter what modality you choose, More than the actual therapy or wisdom or tips or advice or reframing that any therapist is going to share with you, I think that the key component of change for anyone is your relationship with the therapist, whether that's your somatic therapist, your EMDR therapist, your talk therapist. The relationship itself is sacred and healing. Having someone who sees you without judgment and at the same time holds space for your experiences and pushes you to grow, the relationship itself is the most important ingredient in any therapy room. So I think that, you know, people think that therapy is something that you just receive right but what i realize is is that therapy is really a conversation and collaboration with your therapist so the therapy happens in the room whatever modality of therapy that is but the change happens outside the room at home or in the workplace or um outside the therapy office and you know i think that often people think again talking about the resistance to therapy that um therapy is about sitting in the past and just talking and blaming our parents our educators our upbringing and for me a good therapist is the one who helps you recognize the pull of the past and how you're somehow being held hostage by the past along with the power of the presence because what what often happens is is that we react to things in the present and this is where somatic healing comes in when somebody says something to me and I tense up or I have this overreaction. Anytime we're having an overreaction to something, the chances are it's actually nothing to do with what's happening in the moment, but something in your body is responding to something that happened to you unconsciously or consciously, in the past, so the therapist, through whatever modality it is, helps you recognize this and helps you create this ground underneath you that you're not being fed by all of these things that happen to you and they help you realize which behaviors in your life are maladaptive right so many of our behaviors as we were growing up were useful at a certain time um, but they're not serving us now if we were the child who you know, in our display of emotions was shamed or shut down or told not to cry, we learn not to share our emotions. But now you're in a relationship, in an intimate relationship, and you're too scared to share your emotions. That is something that was adaptive and helped you keep you safe at a certain point in your life, but has now turned maladaptive, right? Esther Perel, like Toby uh, mentioned before, she says when these adaptive behaviors become maladaptive, It's like holding an umbrella when it's no longer raining. Your reality has changed. So I think the therapist helps you understand this first and how you're physically and emotionally and behaviorally responding. And that relationship is so important through whatever modality it is. And Toby maybe wants to talk just more specifically about the somatic therapy, but I just think that point about the relationship is crucial no matter what therapy you choose.
0: I think just, uh, Toby, just before, just before Mm. you start, maybe for Mm. our listeners, define Mm. somatic healing i mean i just threw it out and i realized i didn't really give a a definition or, Mm. or, or, or what is somatic healing all about and then you know pass your comment
3: okay sure so somatic healing is really like if we talk about talk therapy but somatic therapists i think would guide a patient based on what's like the underlying physical sensations and from there you know like the mind body um, exercises like breath, breath work or meditation or vi- visualization. It's much more grounded in the body. And then there's often um, somatic healing connected to psychotherapy. So, for example, if I have a patient who's dealt with some, you know, specific traumatic experience in childhood, that I will often send them to like trauma release for trauma release exercises. And what's been so powerful in that is that there have sometimes been traumas that they didn't link or they weren't quite aware of or the whole story was a bit blurred and then being able to bring that back into talk therapy and process that has been hugely helpful so that's for me the understanding of the link between the two and and there's new research in, into psilocybin assisted psychotherapy which is not legal in south africa yet but ketamine assisted psychotherapy is and that is also helping people access deep parts of themselves that don't always come up in talk therapy but that ketamine assisted psychotherapy and Hopefully, when psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy is that, in and of itself, the the way to process it, the way to internalize it, the way to keep it grounded within you is by processing it within a, a therapeutic, maybe talk therapy process. And I was just thinking, what is to say? You know, when people talk about being stuck in your past, and I, I can't remember where the source of this is, but something about while you're driving, if you look in your rearview mirror the whole time, you will crash. So it's not about that we are looking in our rear view mirror the entire time, but we have to at some point. It is important to look in your rear view mirror. It's important to look in your side mirrors while you're driving. I mean, when you first get your your license and you're looking all the time, but that experience is that parts of our past that inform our present and our future. And I think knowing that the, like at its most basic level, the psychotherapy is actually an interpersonal learning environment, similar in many ways to the, initial primary caregiver experience and we learn best when we are supported by a nurturing environment with an empathic person so that as Esther said the relationship deeply impacts all that's coming on the inside all the research now is the insight and the growth and the learning are all valuable but the relationship itself where all other relationships will play itself out in this relationship and within this safe therapeutic empathic place to process that is Often where healing happens.
1: I love that you, that you have this idea of like take, sending people to trauma release and, you know, the somatic healing kind of be connected with the therapy that you give yourself. And in my personal experience, you know, Esther, like you talk about having a relationship with a therapist and, you know, finding what's right for you. And I think sometimes it could take time to find the right person that you resonate with and that you connect with. You could go to a body talk therapist and it didn't really work for you or you didn't feel, mm-hmm. you know, you felt a little bit weird. And um, then, you know, going to talk therapy really did help, but you know, Adel and I, we speak about this so often is like, they all work together and they really, it really is so beautiful that when you are going through a very tough time in your life that you feel supported by so many people and, and they kind of link and you, you, you see the dots kind of joining,
0: you know, and then it, your mind's opened up to, to healing. It's, it's
1: pretty phenomenal.
0: I want to add, I want to add on to that. I want to put like a cherry on the top of the cake. Is that many times, um, and I think going really, really deep in, I think this is like kind of the 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 work of Louise Hay and et cetera, et cetera, is that many of your physical ailments have sources and have causes that are coming from emotional, mental, like spiritual sides, and they're coming out. So you're walking around with a constant headache. You know, and you don't know why and you've gone to the doctors and if, yes, definitely go to the doctor, go check, you know, that there isn't anything, you know, crazy going on, but it's, it's, it's a stress. You know, you got triggered. And as Toby said, maybe you got triggered. Mm-hmm. You were in a certain place and the, you know, something happened and you're having that emotional trigger that causes the anxiety, that causes the headache. So from a healthy you, wealthy you perspective where, you know, you, you, are sick and tired of being sick and tired and you see certain patterns. Perhaps the most fundamental question is to say why, as opposed to just maybe taking a bunch of tablets or, 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 or something or go for retail therapy, <laughs> you know, go shopping <laughs> yourself to think or, 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 or running away or doing something because you actually cannot come to face it. And I, th- I think that that's the biggest challenge is that we need to grow up enough to face ourselves. What, what, yeah. what do you feel on that, on that, on that comment? I, I, I think- also
3: think so. Sorry, yes. I just Carry think up. that when you know, you know, when you're talking about this, it's it's almost like how have we never clicked that your brain is in your body and your heart is in your body and our body holds it all. So the idea that our mind body are just like that, there's a mind body disconnect. It's it's almost bizarre that we it's taking us so much time to actually get to this idea that all of it is connected, and and I think Ada, when you speak about that, like you know, that fear and growing up, I think that. There's also something about trusting that when you do decide to go to therapy, it is the right time. Because for anyone who's walked in my door and I know that it's their first time, I've asked them it's their first time, that, that anxiety and the bravery and courage that it actually takes to make the phone call, to drive to the appointment, to sit on the couch is huge. And we cannot, for any of us who've, who've been in therapy and for me experiencing people coming to therapy, it's it's hugely courageous.
0: Well, just a shout-out to you, Toby. I'm not going to mention names here. Somebody says uh, that she's been uh, seeing you and that you've helped her a lot with her anxiety and not in the appointment, but your contribution. Each appointment adds on to the previous progress and the work is done between appointments. So a shout-out there. Thank you. We've got a, a couple of minutes left. We're going to go for a quick ad break. This is 101.9, Hi FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kaczoltski and Fage Stern. So we got a couple of minutes left, and I'm just going to throw out the last question to both Esther and uh, Toby. Let's start with you, Esther. Sum up, sum up the conversation. What do you want to leave our listeners with?
2: So I think um, I'm mainly talking to the listeners who um have put up this block against therapy, right? It's not for me, we don't need it, I've been okay without it. Whether you are 30 years old or 40 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, know that there is, like I said before, there's an optimism in therapy, that the ways in which you find that you're stuck in your relationships, in your workplace, with yourself, um, in limiting beliefs, that through the relationship with your therapy, therapist, and we could probably have a show on every single different type of modality, so we can't go into each of those. But I think start off with asking yourself some questions. Um, if you're open to therapy, why? Why do I want therapy? What do I want to work on? What's my outcome? What am I prepared to do? Right? Am I prepared to see my own role in these patterns? What do I expect from my therapist? Um, you know, and then with those. Questions you can start exploring who is the right therapist for you. And like you said before, there's absolutely no pressure in sticking with the therapist you went for for one session and you didn't feel comfortable with. I think, like we said before, the heart of therapy lies in the relationship between the patient and the therapist. So after that first session, asking yourself how comfortable did I feel? And I love this idea again, both from Salmanuchin and Esther Perel, who we keep mentioning. They talk about how therapy should be a combination of empathy and challenge, of kick and stroke right you want to go to a therapist who's not only empathizing and like we were saying before "Mm -hmm, that seems so hard oh shame you know like validating and empathizing and not challenging you but you also can't have the therapist who's only challenging you and you don't feel like they're rooting for you that's also problematic so you really want to find someone that you feel is giving that balance of kick
0: and stroke and you really feel supported okay great so go get yourself the right therapist toby final remarks um yeah,
3: I guess I would just love to um recommend some books around what the therapeutic process is like. Uh, a book that I love is called Schopenhauer's Porcupines, which is by Deborah Ann Lupitz and Good Morning Monster by Catherine Gildener, Gabor Mate's new textbook, um The Myth of Normal is is um textbook reading, but definitely I think, life-changing in many ways. And and we've spoken about this book before, but maybe you should talk to someone um, by Laurie Gottlieb. It's just a really light book about a therapist who goes to therapy. And along the way, there's some really cool insights around what the therapeutic process is like if you're interested in a light read.
0: Fantastic. This has been a very enlightening conversation, a very, very important conversation. And Faggy and I would want thank you for your time and your expertise. We love having you on, and we are definitely going to have you on again and again because – being healthy doesn't only, you know, mean eating the right foods and, and doing the right exercise. It also means looking after your mental health. So thanks. Thank you both, uh, for, for, for the insight. And as always, Faggy, it's just been a blast. Um, we'll be. Thank you so much, everyone. we many, many more, uh, thank programs. You. If there's any particular idea or concept or illness or anything that you'd like us to talk about, send an email to info at com. And we will definitely do our best to try to bring the right people on so that we all can be better educated and then be be better healthy. Thank you and have a wonderful week
3: ahead.